Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. It's Ghost of a Podcast time. This week, we're going to talk about puppy love. I'm talking to a couple about their puppy. Jenny and Jordan, we're here to talk to your puppy. Yes. So do you have questions for Disco? Yeah. Well, okay. So he's new to our family and we just want to kind of figure out like the best ways to make him happy. And like, if we need to know something about him that we don't know. Okay. So straight out the gate, there's, okay. So there's a couple things I'll tell you right away. Do you have him around lots of little dogs? You know, sometimes it depends on the dog park. He doesn't love little dogs. No. Yeah. He feels like you want him to like little dogs. <laughs> yeah, we're always trying to get him to play like gentler with little dogs. He's not a fan. He feels like, he feels honestly, he's kind of got this attitude of like, I want these people to like me. I'll try to do what they say. I'm just not sure about these fucking dogs. He's a little bit more of an eye rolling, yes. you know, walk from the sidelines kind of guy. Yes. Pretty stubborn. Yeah. He's very much just kind of a dude. He's just really straightforward. And his feeling, what he's showing me is that his feeling is that you have this expectation that he'll be more complicated than he is. And so he feels like he's supposed to be more complicated, but he's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Okay. He just has this sense of uncertainty that you're going to keep him. Mm. And so he's a little bit auditioning for the part of your heart. Um, <laughs> that's kind of how he puts it. Oh, my heart already. He's yeah. got it. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of like one of those like perfect dogs. I feel like he smiles all the time. Yeah, he's yeah. like very sweet and loving, but he's also kind of like self-sufficient. Yeah. He doesn't need constant attention. He may technically be kind of a puppy. He doesn't think of himself as a puppy. Yeah. He thinks of himself as, huh, weird. One minute. Is he doing something that you don't want him to be doing? What I just saw was him jumping up and down. Mm. Does he jump on things or is it just that I'm seeing him dream about jumping? He probably is dreaming. That was another question we wanted to ask you because he, when he dreams, it's like very visceral. His whole body gets into it. But he's also like a big jumper. Uh, okay, he is a jumper. Okay. Yeah, he jumps on everybody. And it's something we're really trying to work on just because, you know, not everybody wants a puppy jumping on him. I see. So he jumps on humans, mm-hmm. not on couches. He, well, he both. He's basically on all of our furniture all the time, which we don't mind. But when we go to other people's houses, we don't know if it's okay with them. So we try to be a little bit more conscientious of that. But jumping is pretty hard for us because we meet a lot of people and like not everybody knows that he's super friendly or they don't understand his excitement to meet them. So we get nervous when he's jumping at like kids' faces and and people's faces. Yeah, he's been known to knock over a kid or two. He, okay, so there's a lot of parts of this. Jenny. Yes. He's around you a lot, eh? Are you, are you like primary parent? Um, we spend a lot of time together. Jordan works a lot during the daytime, so. Okay, so you're, you're together during the day. And are you going through a major transition right now? Or trying to make a difficult decision? Yeah, I like want to shift careers and trying to figure yeah. that out. He has this feeling for you. He, he feels like you're kind of teetering on an edge. Mm. And it's like half of him wants to push you over the edge <laughs> and the other half wants to hold you back and keep you safe. Mm. He, which I think is pretty much how you feel about yourself mm. right now. Um, yeah. And he's feels very protective of you. He 
sees the way that you're uh, a little anxious, it makes him feel very protective of you. One of the ways that he protects you is by distracting you and being charming and like jumping on things and like getting in the way of things. Like he's just really like, look over here, look over there. You know? <laughs> so there's this screen that you stare at all the time. Is it a window? Is it a computer? I can't tell. Are you an artist? No. Well, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I feel creative, but I don't know how to like push that out of myself. Uh, he does. He just says you need to jump. Okay. Now, he may not technically be giving you excellent <laughs> advice. But that is his advice. He's just like, you just need to like, you just need to jump. You just need to move. He, he feels that you think too much, um, that you're you're being too careful with yourself. His attitude is that you just, you know, and again, this is like, he's a dog. He has a different take on the world, but he's just like, if you practice jumping and sometimes you failed and like fell and sometimes you you know, jumped on the wrong person, but that you were still this lovable dog that everybody liked and you could still jump, yeah. that your life would be a lot easier. Cool. Okay. So I got to jump more. <laughs> yeah, girl. I mean, you need to run that as a metaphor, right. but also he wouldn't mind if you went for jogs together. Oh, good. Okay. He likes that. Yeah. It's like a jumpy time for awesome. him. Yeah. He's like a, he's like a glider yeah. is what he's showing me. He's, he says he's a beautiful runner. He, is, he does not he have self He is a beautiful runner. He is like the fastest, <laughs> sleekest boy He's so good. <laughs> I'm not surprised. He really, he's, I want you to know that he is very confident, but he's also very savvy. So he's aware that the two of you have power and control and he's kind of an alpha. So he would prefer to have all the power and all the control. So it's not like that makes him unhappy. It's just that it makes him a little bit more aware of the fact that you have power and control and in some ways that he does not. And I think some of his jumping is to distract you, Jenny, from your anxiety. Okay. Hmm. So one thing that you can do, hold on, let me just check in with him for a moment. I'm going to be silent, but I'm doing something. Hold on for a sec. Does he sometimes lean on your leg a little hard? Yeah. Okay. So he does that to calm you and to reassure you that he's there. Yeah. Does he have like sheep herder dog in him or something? Totally. Okay. Okay. Because he's hurting you a little bit. I'm showing him that a more effective way of calming you down is leaning into you than jumping on people or things. So if you're around people or if you're in situations where you, Jenny, feel a little anxious or unsettled Mm -hmm. or if you're just like distracted from from wherever you are, encourage him to lean on you Mm -hmm. as a way to both soothe him but also make him feel like he's doing his job, which is taking care of Mm -hmm. you when he leans on you. He loves it too. It just doesn't work as well yeah. is what he's showing me. Like when he's cute and distracting, he completely yeah. does distract you from everything else you're thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's it's effective. And so if you think I want him to lean on me, but I don't want him to jump. But in fact, when he jumps, you stop thinking about whatever you're thinking about and you're calmer and your stresses are redirected, then he's not going to stop. Gotcha. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Um. Hold on for a moment. Does he sleep in bed with you? Sometimes, yeah. So I'm a teacher. I work during the day and Jenny is a bartender. And so like I'll have him at night and like he and I will often like fall asleep together on the bed. And then when Jenny comes home, she'll uh, like put him in the crate. And then we leave the crate door open. So then like sometime before the morning, he'll crawl back in the bed with us and like cuddle. And you're reading when you fall asleep, eh, Jordan? Yeah, often. 
he's really into reading time. He he thinks of it as like his book time. He really, really likes it because you are singularly calm when yeah. you read is his feeling. And it might be that you're falling asleep. Sure. He, he loves your bedtime, like loves it. Yeah. My sense from what he's showing me is that like this is the time where the two of you have like your special connection. Totally. And it, it is really special to him. He, are the two of you thinking about moving? Yeah, we really, I mean, we have a really great spot. We love our apartment, but we really would love to get him a backyard. So there's a way that he is perceiving you're like, where should we go? How should we get there? feelings and conversations he's kind of misunderstanding that is instability around his housing mm. I think you're doing actually a very good job of telling him that he's coming with you mm -hmm. but I wouldn't say that he has abandonment issues it's more that he knows you could change your mind I can't lie to him and be like no you would never do that because humans change their minds about pets he's just aware of it I don't know if he was brought back but it's like an insecurity that he has what can we do to make him feel more settled? I'm, I'm asking him that right now. Let me. He also doesn't love the crate. He doesn't mind having a space that's his own, but the crate. It, so the crate's in an, it's just like in an awkward space in our room. We haven't really figured out a good space for it. Have you considered like a dog bed instead or would it not do the job? Yeah, maybe that's better. Yeah, we that's fine. We were just trying to do crate training just for future needs, you know? Yeah. Honestly, it's not a bad idea to do crate training, but I think he's very, he's very wise to the human conditions in which you live. And he's aware that the crate doesn't fit. Yeah, <laughs> you're so right. <laughs> it, it reinforces the sense of like him not fully belonging in the environment. Oh, okay. okay, cool. Yeah. So I would fuck with dog beds or even like a little like dog house for inside. So it plays a similar role as a crate, but it's like a, a space he can go yeah. into that's more his own space. But it's interesting that he's aware of like what it is in the room and the functionality of it in the room. And he knows that it doesn't fit right now. He does. He also knows that you, Jenny, don't like where your computer box is. My computer box. Do you have a laptop or a desktop? I have a laptop. Where do you sit on your computer? I mean, in the like bedroom or the, uh, oh, basically I'm looking for a desk. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. That's what he was saying. That's what he, he, he sees your computer as a yeah. computer box. Just fly. <laughs> um, because it's this box you're always putting your face in. It's where you spend a lot of time being stressed out and nervous and anxious and you like get really weird when you're on your computer box oh. as far as he's concerned. I'm sorry to call it a computer no, box, but that's tough. It's, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's for sure what he's cool. calling it. Um, it's the same thing. It's like because you don't have a place for yourself, it's like you you can't ever find where you belong. You need a damn oh, desk. Really? And he thinks you just put a desk in front of a window. And that's very but obvious. I've literally been telling her to do this. <laughs> this is so funny. He's very simple and forthright. He's just like put a desk, a desk in front of the window. He says that you... Jenny. He says that you make things really complicated because you don't really want the answer. He says that you're scared that when you find the answer that you'll be beholden to the answer and that you're scared that you'll fail so you're not letting yourself name it. Oh. Your dog is a damn genius. Wow. Your dog is a very good friend. Um, and he's, I mean, he's very invested in both of you, but he's aware that there's this level of instability that you're all going through, all three of you in your own unique ways. And that while... Ooh, okay. 
it's kind of like you with your with whatever it is you're trying to work on in your in your little computer box. It's like while you've chosen to prioritize it, you actually haven't. Mm-hmm. He kind of sees his role in the house as potentially tenuous as well mm-hmm. because you haven't found a place for him because he's still like this anomaly in your home. Okay. Interesting. The, none of this is a criticism. This is just how he sees things. And some of that is because of his personality. Yeah. There's a part of him that, you know, in 15 years, he'll be like sitting in between the two of you and be like, well, what are you actually doing? Do we really belong together? What's happening next? Like, he's just kind of that person. I wouldn't try to like make him feel better. He feels great. He's totally happy. He's just like a critical thinker who's got a matter of fact way of looking at the world. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, he says, Jordan, that your life is really structured. Yeah. And Jenny, that the lack of structure in your life is part of your problem. Again, he's a dog. So he's like, eat at the same time, think at the same time, take a walk at the same time. You know, that is pretty consistent for, you know, dogs are a little bit more like that than us complicated humans. But also he's right. He's like acknowledging that you have this flexibility and it creates anxiety and then it makes you feel anxious to create more stability out of the anxiety. And it's just like a mess. Huh. Okay. Uh, he says the two of you need to talk more about real things instead mm. of details. And he says, Jenny, you're not talking about how sad and, and scared you are enough with Jordan. Mm. You're trying to put a positive spin. You think it's been going on too long. So you're trying to like protect Jordan from how you feel. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he is just like, how's that yeah. going to work? Like, he's just He's not in any way mad or frustrated, but he's just like, how do I get in the middle of this and fix this? Like, there's just no way I can fix this. And he sees that it's making you feel worse, Jenny. And Jordan, it's making you, well, he says you actually don't know. Uh, But like, there's a part of you that feels feels like "Mm, something's off. I don't know what it is. But then you just get distracted. Mm. Yeah. Disco says, Jenny, you're not giving Jordan enough prompts to support you. Okay, that is true. Okay, who who said that? Jordan said that that is true. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, good. Disco feels that if Jenny, you give Jordan clear prompts, that somewhere between six and eight out of ten times, cool. you'll get what you need. That's right, Jordan. Everybody oh, yeah. <laughs> <wanna> hear that? <laughs> six out of eight. <laughs> but I think the reason why he's showing me this is because he feels Jenny that if you don't get what you ask for once, you feel like that's proof that you were asking for too much or that something's missing or something wrong it's just it, it hurts your feelings and then you kind of like shut it all down yeah, yeah totally. and then disco's sitting there being like but but it's just that jordan <laughs> forgot the reality is is that disco doesn't actually mm-hmm. forget anything disco's uh, like a tracker he's, yeah. a tracker, yeah. he's got yeah. that sheep herder in him so he's really a tracker and he says that you jenny are also a tracker very different yeah. kind of tracker than him and jordan you're yeah. not a tracker at all no. according to disco I think this is part of why Disco really identifies with you, yeah. Jenny, and understands that you have to herd Jordan. And when you herd a flock, you basically right. lose some sheep sometimes. And it's just because some sheep wander. And in this metaphor, Jordan, you are all the sheep. <laughs> That's good. He really prefers couches. He finds it to be really annoying when he's being told to not be on couches. Um, <laughs> I would too. Yeah. He thinks that if you would bring, you have a blanket that you put on the couch for him. Is that right? Um, Sometimes we used to, not as much anymore. He thinks if you would bring a blanket when you go visit friends' houses for him to sit on, it would make everyone feel more comfortable. If he is jumping on someone 
it's because they seem anxious. Now, kids are different because yeah. their energy is more frenetic. Okay. So he gets frenetic. But if you're hanging out with your friend, all of a sudden he starts jumping. It's probably because he's responding to their anxiety. Sure. Okay. And he's trying to make them feel better. He just wants to show them enthusiasm. He's welcoming yeah, them. Yeah. He knows he's trustworthy, so he's not worried about other people being nervous. He thinks a little nervousness is good. This is part of his take on you, Jenny, is he feels like if you were a little more willing to be nervous, your life would be easier. Okay, cool. I think the only other thing is, like, I know he's so stubborn, but, like, when we're telling him stuff when we're training or on a walk, I feel like he's being, like, we'll say his name and he'll just fully ignore us. This is an annoying thing for you to hear, but he doesn't think you can protect him. He thinks he can protect you. So he doesn't listen to you because he doesn't <laughs> know what you're talking about. His attitude is like, you don't hear things. Like, you don't know. He can hear things. Right. Now, I'm not agreeing with him. I'm just telling you how what he's showing oh, me. Sure. He hears you. He's kind of like, everyone can hear you. (laughs) (laughs) He's really obnoxious. I love it. Um, But I think that when you take him off leash, he feels that the two of you have an agreement. Yeah. When you take him off leash, he's gold. When you take him off leash, he's just like, I'm my own man. What? And I think if you're going to try to train him to be different, you're probably going to have to employ an expert. Mm-hmm. because he I mean honestly like every time in this conversation I have said something to him that he thinks is dumb <laughs> he's just like no that's all no and so his attitude is like you think you know nature better than me you don't you're yeah. you're not that you're not the right animal um so I would say you you may need to employ like a trainer for off leash walks in nature because I could talk to him about this more, but he's, he is the most obstinate on this topic of all the things I've heard. I've talked to him about. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. He's not even thinking about it. He's right. just, yeah. he's just going, he's, in, he's, he's going to what he feels called towards. Yeah. Totally. He really loves you guys. You know, for him, <laughs> he wanted me to say that he loved you, but then also he's not exactly like a lovey dovey guy. No. And he really like builds towards love. However, snugly, however loyal, however present he is now, this time next year, he's going to be more more so. He's just a really like a little bit of a a slow developer for deep intimacy. Sleeper wave. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. He says he's like you that way, Jenny. Yeah. He is. Jordan calls me sleeper wave. I call her. Okay, sleeper. that's really funny. Yeah. He. I mean, he has a real affinity with you, even though he thinks you're completely different than him. It took me forever to find him, and I knew it right when I saw him. Oh yeah. Yeah. He felt the same way. Oh. Slash also. He wants me to affirm you as well, Jordan. He has this um, urge to take care of Jenny in mm-hmm. a different way than he does of you. I mean, he really feels like y'all are a pack. Yeah. Um, he sees himself as a, as a third. Yeah. He hopes that you you grow to really feel that way more. It's the two of you and your dog. Yeah. At a certain point, it'll be the three of you. Yeah. And that's a day he's looking forward to. Yeah. Is basically. What he's it's really sweet. Well, I really, I thank you for doing this with me. Yeah, and um, yeah. thank you so much so for talking to us. Yay. Right. Take care. Hug you. Go for me. All right. Love. Okay. Bye. Bye. You know, I love horoscopes mainly because I love astrology and I love using astrology as a tool for managing what you're going through now and how to best prepare for the future while integrating your past. No big deal, just for everything. 
So let's get into your horoscope this week. We're going to look at the week of July 7th through the 13th of 2019. The 7th is when Mercury goes retrograde. Mercury is currently in the sign of Leo, and it will retrograde all the way back into Cancer. This transit will last um, from the 7th until the 31st of July. So it's basically (laughs) a Mercury retrograde eclipse season extravaganza. And what this means is many, many things, but let's start with the basics. Mercury is the planet that governs your thinking, your attitudes, your tone of voice, your communication. It's DMs, it's emails, it's texts. It's a meaningful part of social media, and it's a meaningful part of, I don't know, your work life if you talk to people for a living or if part of your job includes having to talk to people. Because Mercury governs all of these things, it is kind of evidential. You can see evidence of Mercury retrograde in your life, even if you're not really into astrology. I think that's part of why so many people are aware of it. The other thing is that Mercury governs your friendships. Mercury is the planet that governs friends, platonic relationships. And so we often have stuff come up in our friendships during a Mercury retrograde transit. Now, when a planet moves retrograde, it appears to be moving backwards. It's not actually moving backwards, but it appears to be moving backwards. It moves backwards through the degrees um, of the zodiac sign or signs that it's in. And when a planet moves backwards, it doesn't function in its typical projected way. So what this can often lead to is miscommunications, misunderstandings, confusion, you know, not getting a message that you were supposed to get or not responding in a timely fashion or, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just not great for direct and tight communication. Retrogrades are a time to review, reflect, and reassess. There are time for looking more inwards at your circumstances, your attitudes, whatever, and gaining a greater clarity, but not necessarily rushing to that clarity, just reviewing in efforts to have a greater clarity, right? So this is something that you're going to notice this week. You probably noticed it last week, and you can expect it to last throughout the month. Please do not freak out about Mercury retrograde. It's simply going to uh, require you to be more mindful about what you think, what you say, and how you listen. That's right, I said how you listen. On the 8th, Mercury retrogrades directly into a conjunction with Mars. Now, if this sounds familiar to you, that's because we went through this transit not very long ago. It was exact last on June 18th, and I seem to remember this being a deeply annoying transit. Maybe it was for you, maybe it wasn't. Mercury conjunction to Mars is... When your mind and your motives come together, this can inspire you to really move forward with ideas, say what needs to be said, to be brave, to make new friends. But very commonly, it's simply very fucking annoying. Um, This transit can bring up agitation, irritability. It can make you inclined to be defensive or hop to a fight for no fantastic reason. This transit may find you feeling especially agitated. And that's what I want to kind of take a moment to focus on because here's the healing potential, my loves. It's that you can look at the very nature of your thoughts and feelings around anger and gain greater insight into how you deflect or project anger, how you experience or repress anger, and come to some greater understanding of yourself. or. You can just focus on whoever's bugging you and obsess on what they are doing right or wrong 
and totally distract from the healing potential of this transit. It's up to you. It's always up to you. Now, if you find that you act out or a total jerk or overreact around this state, strive to be humble and to understand yourself and why you did it. And then you can handle, you know, whatever you need to do in terms of damage control in your life. And you may just have to do damage control because on the ninth, we have a sun opposition to Saturn. Now, the sun is your identity and it's this bright, beautiful light. And Saturn likes to murder all the boners. It is kind of the buzzkill of the zodiac. And so what this transit can often feel like is just being drained of energy. It can make us feel overwhelmed. It can make us feel blocked or like we can't move forward and do what we need to do. or We simply don't have the energy, psychological or physical, to do what we need to do. This can be a time when we feel overwhelmed by limitations that are outside of our control. Now, that might look like, you know, you have a knee injury and you can't walk to the place you want to walk to. That might mean you look at what's happening within the government and you feel powerless to be impactful for change. That might mean your boss is micromanaging you on something that you feel like you totally know how to do without their attention. Um, it can play out in any number of ways. But what's important is that you accept that where you are is where you are. And the energy that you have to cope with things is likely to feel somewhat limited. This is a 72-hour period, and it is exact on the 9th, as I said. So you'll be feeling it 24 hours before and 24 hours after, as well as on that date. If you can accept that the way you're feeling will pass, if you can accept that these feelings that you're having are an opportunity to really look at what's essential, what is essential for you to do so that you can feel right and well within yourself, what is essential for you to handle in your life, if you can focus on those things, you can make the best use of this transit. Now, I'm not going to lie to you because that's not what we do here at Gope. The combination of the Mercury conjunction to Mars and the Sun opposition to Saturn is not super chill. It can make you feel through this part of the week just kind of frustrated, like things aren't going quite the way you want. This is very instructive. If you are willing to sit with your feelings, your unpleasant feelings, because that Mercury, Mars, and that Sun, Saturn transit, they're both going to kick up uncomfortable, unpleasant feelings. And notice the part of you that wants to project those feelings out or blame others or blame your circumstances instead of sitting with your feelings and being kind and generous to yourself when you're feeling them. If you can try to notice that, then you'll be really making use of these transits. And you know, there is a positive in it. These transits can also inspire you to mobilize, to move ahead, to be brave, and to do things that are really a pain in the ass to do. But it takes some amount of self-awareness and probably already having a momentum of going in that direction before those transits hit. There is a way for you to make use of the pain in the ass that you are likely to feel around these dates. Now, on the 10th, there is a sun trying to Neptune, and this is a lovely kind of buoying transit in that it can help you to connect more organically with empathy and compassion. And we all need that. We need that for ourselves because life's tough. Have you noticed? There's a lot going on in the world and there's a lot going on in your life, probably. If you can allow yourself to feel a sense of compassion for yourself, compassion for where you are and where you're not, 
compassion for others, the haters and the lovers and the victims and the perpetrators. If you can attempt to have compassion for all of us, that just makes it a little easier to live your life. It's easier on your soul. Similarly, this is a meaningful time to reconnect to faith. And faith, you know, has kind of a a religious tone to it. And you may be religious or you may not. But this is not about religiosity. This is about faith in your connection to something greater than just yourself. Faith in the seasons to keep on turning. Faith in your capacity to get through this. Faith in your capacity to learn when you fail. Faith can be in so many things, but I urge you around the 10th, tap into the energy that is available to you to support you in deepening or revising your relationship to faith. And then that brings us to the 11th. And on the 11th, we are going through a Mars square to Uranus. This transit totally takes that sun trying to Neptune and throws it out the window. No more faith for you, the universe says. No, I'm joking. It doesn't really say that. Mars square to Uranus. Mm, this is kind of an explosive energy. It's the energy for revolution. Uranus wants to just throw over the system. It wants radical change. It wants greater experience of humanity for all. It wants equality for all. And Mars, Mars wants to get it done. Mars is a planet that requires visceral expression. I actually think something really powerful is happening around this transit. Now, it's exact on the 11th. However, on the 12th, across the world, there will be vigils to end human concentration camps, and thousands and thousands of people are going to be taking to the streets. This is organized by Lights for Liberty, and you can find them at lightsforliberty.org. I'll have the link to it in the show notes. People are going to meet to make their voices heard, to stand up against tyranny. And honestly, there's so much energy in this transit. There's so much potential for meaningful change, but it does take bodies on the street. It does take people leaving their comfort zones and leaving their homes and going IRL into the world to say, I see what's happening and I stand against tyranny, against concentration camps, my dear Lord. And the the thing that is really positive about this is that this transit of Mars squared Uranus supports you being brave enough to leave your house and do it, even if you've never gone to a protest before. Probably a lot of you have never gone to a protest or maybe you've only gone to the Women's March. Going to protests, you know, some people really love it. Some people really hate it. Personally, me, I'm really encouraging of taking to the streets to voice your opinion. It's something that I myself have been doing since I was a teen for various causes. And, you know, I'm an empath and I'm super sensey and big crowds can be really hard for me on a personal level. So, you know, if you're sensey like me, I would say maybe you don't go or maybe you do go, but you do energy shielding work. You do work to be really clear and grounded in your body. You make sure you've had enough food, you have enough water, that you feel grounded, keep your wits about you. But Showing up to stand up against tyranny is absolutely a great idea. Always IMO, but certainly on the 12th, the astrology supports it. When we strive to be part of a collective force, even if that effort doesn't give us the results that we want it to, it is 
important for our larger cause. And I think it's also important for your own individual participation, you know, to know that you tried, that you showed up, that you did a damn thing. And if you're not someone who can or will go to a physical protest, you can babysit for one of your friends who has kids who wants to go, or you can signal boost the event, or you can give water bottles to people who are walking to the thing before the thing. You can participate. There's so many ways of participating. And if you go to lightsforliberty.org, you can see the amazing organizations that support this effort and you can support them as well. We are going through, as you know, um, a really terrifying time. Um, I want you to have compassion for everyone. I want that for you because that satisfies my worldview and it satisfies my goals, but also because it satisfies your soul. And I really want us all, if we're going to be going through a difficult time as a collective, to come through with our souls thriving. I do. And that does require being uncomfortable and it does require facing things that are hard to face. You know, I got uh, an email from someone this past week who was really frustrated with hearing on podcasts this cry for help this sense of, you know, these concentration camps or all these other terrible things that are happening. This person felt like, well, you're not giving me a solution, so I don't want to talk about the problem. I want you to stop talking about the problem. I have a couple things to say to that. And I think it's a fair feeling. You know, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. The first thing is, if I have access to talk to thousands of people every episode, and I don't acknowledge these things, that's not right for me. That's not a personal choice that I can make. And, you know, we all make our choices. If that means you can't listen to me, hey, I respect that. The other thing is, I do really want to remind you that I cannot share a million resources on each individual podcast. That wouldn't be super fun to listen to. You'd have to sit there writing out all the things I'm, I'm talking about. But I have an Instagram account and you can go to my Instagram account. And when you do, there's something called a bio. And then there's a bunch of bubbles. They're called highlights. And if you click on the bubble that says actions and news, it has a little picture that says resist. There's tons of resources there. Those resources include documents with tons of other resources. And you can, if you're interested, find actions that seem sustainable for you. Whether that's making phone calls, writing emails, uh, getting involved artistically, there's so there's so many there's so many resources. I'm not going to name them all here, but if you're feeling demoralized and like you don't know what to do and everything seems hopeless, check that out. Maybe that something in there will inspire you. Maybe 90% of it won't, but two items will. Fan freaking tastic. Do what you can do, my loves. The other thing is this: we are in eclipse season, which means emotions are keyed up. Emotions are profoundly keyed up and it's a cardinal eclipse, right? It's a set of cardinal eclipses. So the drive within us, within each of us as individuals, and then certainly us as a collective is to do something, to get up and get moving. And so this feeling of being overwhelmed with sadness and helplessness and hopelessness and not being able to do anything, unfortunately, can really inspire us to look away to feel so burdened by what we see and what we perceive that we don't want to see anything, right? That's human. That's human. Certainly for me this particular week, I got really overwhelmed by the news being so bad. And I had taken a couple days off of the news, literally three. And when I took three whole days off of the news, what happened for me was I saw how bad I was feeling. I got enough perspective to realize, whoa, this is much heavier of a burden then I fully understood, 
you know, psychic burden, emotional burden. And so this particular week, I've engaged with social media a lot less because I'm trying to find myself again within it. That's a luxury. It's a luxury that I've chosen to take as a way towards self-care. And you too may need some version of a break from news or a break from social. And I respect that. And I support that. And disassociation and self-care are not the same thing. Turning away from what is painful and terrifying or scary as a form of self-care, well, that's not really self-care, is it? It's not exactly self-care. And I don't have the answer. And to the person who wrote me that email, I'm sorry, I don't have the answer. I wish I did. I wish for myself. I wish for you. I wish for all of us that there was an answer. But let me be perfectly clear. As these eclipses are occurring, so we've gone through the first, we have another one coming on the 16th, our feelings are at a fever pitch and our desire to be responsible and take action are intensely strong. And that doesn't mean we have the tools. It doesn't mean we have the resources, but we have the drive. When we have a drive and it doesn't have a place to go, we have a tendency to turn it against ourselves or to turn it against others. Do not forget who your enemy is. Your enemy is not your allies who didn't do it right. Your enemy is not the people who are trying or who aren't trying in the way that you wish they were. Your enemy is tyranny. Your enemy is fascism. Your enemy is white supremacy and misogyny. It's not the people who are trying but maybe missing the mark. Those are not your enemies, my loves. They're not. I want to remind you of this little transit called Uranus and Taurus. That's right. Uranus and Taurus. Now, the last time that Uranus was in Taurus, we had concentration camps in Europe and we had internment camps in the United States. We had Hitler and we had Mussolini, just to name a few. Now we have a reiteration of this. And you know, the subjugation of people, the incarceration, punishment, stripping of humanity of people, it happens from violent governments, right? It happens from oppressive and repressive violent governments. And it also happens from silent populace. It happens from, on some level, us as a society becoming so overwhelmed with pain that we become paralyzed. Or we start to believe this, well, they're human, but they shouldn't be here. They're human, but they're dangerous to society. As soon as you go into, sure, they're human, but they don't deserve to be treated the way I deserve to be treated. They're human, but their children don't deserve to be treated the way my children deserve to be treated. As soon as you've caught yourself caught up in that kind of thinking, you are in trouble. I say you are in trouble because I'm talking about your damn soul, my loves, your beautiful, perfect soul. My hope for you is that you look within at the ways in which you are pushing yourself too hard or disassociating. I urge you to look within at your own racism, your own xenophobia, and to not do it as a way to police. You know, Saturn and Pluto are in Capricorn. We all have the drive to police ourselves and to police others right now. But that drive is misplaced. It is truly misplaced. We need systemic, sustainable transformation. We do not need punishment. That's not change. That's status quo. And status quo is broke as fuck. That's right. I said that and I'm going to stand by it. I hope I see you on the 12th out there. I hope you post to social your experiences and your hopes. I hope you are sharing resources with others to make your life a little easier to live wherever you're at. 
I encourage you to not go it alone. Every year they say the end is near. 